and welcome to episode 8 of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. On this show, we talk craft beer, time to time, craft liquor, everything from the history to the science to my personal memories and whatever is in between all of that. Uh, if you're a regular listener, welcome back and thank you for listening. Today is sort of a special episode and I wanted to make it special just because this particular brewery was nice enough to reach out to me uh, for me to try out their beers. So I wanted to tell you all about them, really give back to them for their nice gesture. Uh, I have only had one of these beers, but that's only because I was given three of that particular kind and I just I couldn't help myself. You know how it goes. Um, but I'll just back up here for a moment and uh, I'll tell you the story Uh as you may know, I also have the Instagram account, Craft Beer Talk Show. Uh, if you don't know, go check it out. I post uh, everything that's going on with the podcast on there, uh, updates, uh, recaps of the shows and whatever. Uh, basically, I was sent a message uh, from an account under the username, The Milkman Delivers. No profile picture uh, other than a milkman, which is fitting. Um, and the account was private, so I really had no idea kind of like what this was um, or who it was, but the message basically introduced me uh, to the brewery we'll be talking about today. Uh, and the milkman, which I had learned was a man by the name of Rod Monkman. So maybe Monkman, Milkman, uh, maybe because he delivers beer. I'm not too sure, but he's a seasoned vet in the Canadian beer industry uh, who now has ties in this particular brewery. Uh, so first and foremost, thank you very much, Rod. Uh, I genuinely appreciate it. This is uh, the power of local business and the fun that it can be uh, interacting with different media types and, and businesses and, and getting to know one another. And I'm more more than excited to, to do this episode. So the brewery we're going to be discussing today uh, is a brewery called Furnace Room Brewery. Uh, they are located in Georgetown, Ontario. Uh, this is a town about 50 kilometers northwest of Toronto, more west than north, um, but just for reference sake. It's a great little town, uh, tons of small historic villages. Uh, if you're a history buff like myself and love to learn, uh, make the trip out to Georgetown. Uh, it'll make a, a great day out with the family. If you have kids, the tons to do with kids out there. Uh, learn a lot. It's a great first date to impress somebody. Um, and now with the addition of Furnace Room Brewery, there's there's even more reason to go. All right. So basically how we're going to do this episode, um, it's special for two reasons. One, obviously the little backstory uh, and their passion for getting their name out there. But two, I was given eight beers total. And of those eight beers, there were five varieties. So three Kohl-style ales, which is, uh, from what I was told, their flagship. Um, two cream lagers. Uh, and one each of a red ale, a New England IPA, and a pale ale. So I've had one of the Kohl's, uh, but have not yet tried the other four varieties. Um, so on today's episode, we're going to try all five varieties uh, so it could get uh, a little wild uh, we usually do max two on here but we're going to do all five uh, and each beer has an interesting name uh, with a backstory to go with it so we'll dive into to those as we try each beer and I'm pretty sure actually the New England IPA um, I, I don't know if it's it's not on the website so 
uh, in terms of the backstory, unless it's on the can, uh, I won't have much to to say about its its identity. But uh, I don't know if it's maybe exclusive. If you go there to the bottle shop, you can only pick it up there, or if uh, it's a new beer that's coming out and released. But uh, excited to try it. So first off, I'm going to give the brewery itself a little introduction. Uh, basically, it all started exactly how the name suggests in the furnace room of a basement. Uh, in 2007, friends Jeff Sandifer and Mike Glockner decided they were going to start home brewing. Uh, they started with a simple beer malt extract kit, like everyone does, uh, and Jeff rigged together uh, a boiler and uh, a bucket, and they they hit the ground running. So, uh, as all home brewers know, uh, it's addicting and it's so so much fun. And uh, no exception for these guys. They eventually grew to 10-gallon all-grain batches, uh, critiquing the recipes every single time, making them you know the best that they possibly could be. Because homebrewing, it's it's a lot of work. You know, it sounds simple, but it's really not. It's a lot of science. You gotta you gotta stay focused to your temperatures and that. Uh, so it takes some time to get recipes down uh, and perfect every single time. But basically, word got out uh, about their beer. And before you know it, friends and friends of friends and, and friends and family were asking, where can we get this beer? They were a huge hit. So we now fast forward to 2014. The two guys entered two beers in a beer competition. Uh, and to their surprise, they came first and second in their respective categories. Uh, a sign of reassurance, you can almost say. Uh, so with this news, talks around fires and barbecues uh, in their backyards or at neighbors' houses about opening up a brewery in their hometown uh, began to commence. The only problem was they didn't have the business expertise or the finances to do it. Rod uh, told me that it was their wives who tried to convince them. Now, it doesn't say that on their website, but uh, I'll take Rod's word for it. So now we get uh, Mike Dixtra, Trent Chalecki, and Steve Leggett, and they join the conversation uh, and are the business brains and the financial aid that they need. So after all the legalities, uh, finances, and property acquisition were a success, in 2017, Furnace Room Brewery was officially ready to open. Um, according to the website, it didn't actually open until December 2018. That was the uh, official opening date. But uh, they're, they're open now, and I'll have to make my way over there uh, sometime and, and check out the place. Um, the least I could do. Uh, but let's now, let's move on to what's really important, the beer. So like I said, five varieties, we'll go through each one. Um, we'll read the stats, give the, the little history behind the name, uh, and then give it a taste, and then finally a score. Now usually when you're tasting beer, um, you would do light to dark. In, in this sense, what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to do it in a way where we end off with their most, um, I don't know, like we'll end off with a flagship. Um, maybe we'll end off also with the New England IPA that's not on their website, so that's kind of like a special treat, uh, leaving us with the, the red ale, uh, the pale ale, and the cream lager. So out of those, I could maybe do it from lightest to darkest, but uh, I didn't really want to talk about the, the main one at the start. Uh, I want to talk about it last just because that's their flagship, that's the one that uh, makes the cake, and uh, let's dive into this. So let's see. First off, we will do 
the Chicken Man Pale Ale. So I just actually poured it um, off the mic here just to avoid those strange sounds. Um, but uh, I've got it poured. looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, before I do any of the, the judging, so to speak, I'm going to read you exactly where this comes from because Chicken Man Pale Ale, I think Chicken Man is probably the most unique out of all of the names, uh, in my opinion. So Chicken Man Pale Ale. Uh, on the can itself, it's a nice green can, light green can. Um, you have this older gentleman, and he's riding a bike. And on the front of his bike, he's got this what appears to be like a wooden crate like type basket thing. And in that basket, he has uh, a chicken. So he is the chicken man. He's deemed the chicken man, I guess. So it says on their website here, Pedaling his bike throughout Georgetown with his trusty pet chicken uh, aboard, the Chicken Man, as he was known, has become iconic to the residents of Georgetown. Although his identity is uncertain and his whereabouts unknown, his legend lives on. Making the trip to Georgetown, make the trip to Georgetown and ask the locals what they know of him or just enjoy our pale ale in his honor. Wow, well, here's to you, Chicken Man. Um, that's pretty cool. It's... Uh, it makes me really excited about going to Georgetown. I, I want to find this guy. Uh, maybe give him one. Share one with him. But uh, let's give it a smell here without further ado. The color is, is it's like this pale orange kind of color. Almost has like a reddish back tone. Like if you stare into it, uh, it's almost got this like reddish color to it. Hmm. So not overwhelming with scent but i do get a lot of like it's not overpowering like uh most a lot of citrus pale ales are um with with those like orangey uh lemony type flit uh type smells um but actually i get a lot of stone fruit i get a lot of like peaches um nectarine stuff like that it seems more sweet than uh, kind of punch in your face, but uh, let's give it a taste. Here's the stats. It's got it's sitting at 5.5. That's what it says on the website. On the can, it says 5.4. Not like that makes makes a huge difference. Um, but IBUs were sitting at 35. Uh, it's a little bit hoppy, but you no, know it's funny. On the can, it says 30. That's interesting. On the website, it says 35. On the can, it says 30. Again, not like a huge, huge difference, but uh, we'll, we'll see here. And the color, they're, they're saying uh, SRM of four. I honestly think maybe it's a little bit darker, but uh, no, if, if it's four, it's four. Let's give it a taste. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. It's actually, wow, it's quite delicious. Um what I, what I say about this is this is, a, I'd say, a pale ale for people who, who don't like that hops, but they do kind of like, um, obviously, the pale malt, um, a little bit of bitterness, nothing too crazy. It's like an introductory pale ale. I wouldn't go as far as saying this would uh, would go into the introduction to craft beer um, award for me, but uh, just because... It does have that hoppy flavor, just like a pale ale should. Um, and obviously for that award, it's we're looking for something a little bit more crisp and clean. But for a pale ale, 
this is awesome. I'm actually going to give all the scores at the very, very end. Um, and I'll just list them in a row. I don't know. Maybe that'll make it a little bit more exciting. But uh, I really, I really enjoy this. I'm going to take another sip here. Wow. You know, that is absolutely lovely. Like, I'm really impressed. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, I've never heard of this brewery before, but I mean, I had the Kolsch, so uh, I guess I did kind of know what to expect. The Kolsch is, is pretty good, but we'll get there. Um, this is this is awesome. I can see uh, why they won some awards. I don't know if this is one of them that won an award. It doesn't say necessarily on the can, but uh, wow, Chicken Man, they really did a number for you. Hmm. I hope we can track him down and uh, give him some of these because he, he definitely deserves it. But this is this is beautiful. Yeah, super flavorful. Um, it does have like a little bit of a dry component to there, so it does linger kind of in your mouth um, a little bit. But uh, it's not crazy juicy. Um, but it has just a perfect amount of of citrus um, and those stone fruit flavors. Uh, but nothing overbearing, and I, I think that's uh, that's what a lot of people are looking for these days. You know, there's tons of people making um, crazy hopped up beers uh, in a pale ale, but a lot of people are just looking for, you know, I want something simple, something that's uh, I can drink, you know, during the summer on the on the backyard, uh, on the patio. And this, honestly, this definitely this definitely does the trick. So, hats off, first one, we're, we're firing right out the back. So now moving on, uh, I've selected the Dynamo Cream Lager to go next. I've got it poured here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking now that I probably should have done this one first because it would have actually been a bit of a lighter beer um, than the pale ale that we just did. So for those of you that don't know, uh, so they're calling it a cream lager. Now, I don't know if they're just trying to change up the name, but usually these beers are, are actually called cream ales. Uh, and that's because cream ale is brewed and fermented uh, to be an ale, but then when it's stored um, and to condition, uh, it's stored at the temperatures that you normally would would do for a lager, right? Which is lagering. Uh, but we'll get into that in a different episode. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is maybe um, a cream ale. They're just calling it a cream lager, or if there's something else they're doing. Maybe they're fermenting it, um, also like a lager as well using uh, lager yeast. Uh, I'm not too sure, but maybe when I go there, I can ask some more questions. So let's get into the history of this one. This one's called Dynamo. Um, and what, what they have to say about this one is it was built in, hold on, not the beer was built in whatever time I'm about to say. I really misworded that. That was misleading. So it says, built in 1888, founder J.R. Barber built the first electrical power station in Georgetown, Ontario. The first of its kind in North America. Wow, awesome. By damming the Credit River. So the Credit River is uh, a river that runs through, well, I know it primarily in, in uh, Mississauga. So it probably goes uh, north because Georgetown would be just north of Mississauga. Uh, he created a waterfall that powered the turbines that ran the dynamo. Uh, remnants of the dynamo and the dam are still visible today. Our Dynamo Cream Lager is also the first of its kind in Georgetown. We hope you will enjoy it as much as we do. All right. Wow. Awesome. So that's that's cool. And I and I love the little history uh, bits that this beer comes with. Um, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, I'm a bit of a history buff. I love to learn. Um, so if I can enjoy a beer and learn something, especially about my own province and uh, and own country. 
then you know I'm, I'm a happy guy so just looking at it it's got a beautiful color uh, oh right I gotta read the stats I'm losing it already I've only had one so the stats uh, we're sitting at 5.3 ABV um, 10 IBUs so a lot lighter than the beer we just had um, and SRM of 5 and I can see that it's a beautiful color um, it's getting you know it's it's not quite red but it's uh it's on that like sunburnt orange kind of color and, and I, I personally love that uh, I could be really wrong about that like I've, I've said before about my color blindness but to me this is just a- astonishing um, a thinner head as you would expect from a lager um, let's give it a smell so first things first a major difference in terms of aroma um, this is is almost odorless I find whereas the pale ale you could smell that like I said that stone fruit and citrus this I can smell almost a, a grainy kind of smell uh, but I can't really smell anything in two in particular uh, it is a lot low in hops so it's not going to provide um, a whole lot of aromas from that department let's go ahead and give it a taste hmm okay this is nice smooth easy drinking um not a whole lot going on kind of in the in the flavor department uh, i wouldn't say that like i i get if out of everything a rich multi mouthfeel um but i don't get a whole lot of of flavor so kind of like a a teeter totter here up and some ups and downs but with that being said that doesn't make it a bad beer uh, it's very enjoyable uh, just because it is, it's smooth, light, um, th- but that's what a lot of people are looking for. Uh, it does have that creamy feel to it when you're drinking it. So it's like, that's from the malts, right? So it's like, it's uh, it's kind of thick almost, it, it feels like in your mouth, um, which I personally like. Uh, I think this more of like a, a fall time beer rather than a, a summer beer. I'm going to give it another sip here. I mean, I, I do like it. Uh, low in carbonation. It's not uh, crisp or anything like that. It's just smooth. Um, I, I don't really know kind of what else to, to say about it. Uh, it's pretty simplistic in all categories. Um, it's a good beer. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's like I, I've had a, a bunch of cream ales. I, I do love a good cream ale. Um, like I said, I don't see them really call them a cream lager, um, too often, but, uh, I wouldn't say this one's my absolute favorite out of all the ones that I've had, but, uh, it is good. I don't want to, I don't want to knock it one bit. Um, I do see on the side of the can here, actually, it says dynamo cream lager is balanced and smooth with the body and flavor of an ale, which makes a lot of sense to me, but quaffable as a lager. Uh, the word quaffable uh, basically just means uh, easy to drink, more or less. Um, so, yes, I understand how this is very quaffable, just like a lager. So maybe that's why they call it a lager, because it's it's so easy drinking rather than, you know, the robust taste and, and mouthfeel you would get from an ale, but I, I get that from this beer. So, um, interesting. It's an interesting combination. Like I said, uh, it wouldn't be my absolute favorite cream ale, cream lager, but, uh, it, I'm not disappointed. 
I feel like I sound like I'm disappointed while I'm sitting here recording this, but uh, trust me, I'm not. Uh, let's keep the beers rolling. Let's move on. And the next one that we have coming up, actually, I'm really excited for this one, um, is the Wright House Red Ale. So I've got a poured here, and uh, I'm excited about this one primarily because um, one of my dad's favorite beers uh, is a red ale. Uh, and although I haven't uh, fully convinced him to to get on to the the craft market, uh, you know he, he's not a big fan of of a lot of hops addition to a beer. He thinks it tastes like copper, is what he says. But um, he is a big red ale guy. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to share this one with him just because I had to do it for the show. But he was able to try the the Kolsch beer and the cream lager just because I had extras of those. So we were able to split them up. Um, but, excuse me, this is called the Wright House Red Ale. So, let's dive into the name before anything else. So, what it says on their website, when Harry Wright, so, Wright, okay, so that's, that's our first clue there. When Harry Wright took over the station house in 1913, um, the station house, I'm assuming, is, uh, maybe like a, a saloon close to the, the, the train station. Uh, station House 1913, business was booming. Customers who traveled by train, wow, yeah, I'm on it today, uh, enjoyed a warm meal and uh, a many and many a beer hmm, at the end of their journey. Uh, the famous Georgetown establishment served clients up until 2003. Remnants of the original building can still be seen from our brewery where we strive to continue that tradition. Wow, awesome. So again, uh, another kind of historic uh, named beer, and I, and I really like that on the can. It's got a picture of, I don't know if this is maybe a replica, but um, it's, got, it's got a picture of uh, maybe the right house or a station house uh, with people in it enjoying beer. It's got an old time truck um, parked out in front. So very, very cool. I like that a lot. Uh, these cans, by the way, are also beautifully decorated. Uh, I'm not too sure who does it. They might design them themselves. Um, but I definitely like all of the imagery on there and beautiful colors. It all fits kind of the, the their image, the the whole historic kind of uh, back, back tone to it. So I'm really liking that. Uh, so let's get into this beer. It's a red ale. Uh, and as we can see from the color, it's got a nice, thick, creamy head. Uh, I love to see that. The Wow, this is... This is oh my god! Like this is almost like, I guess Coca Cola is almost like black, but sometimes I think it to be red. I guess Dr Pepper. I don't know. Dr Pepper is maybe kind of black, but this is really red. Like holy crap! This is really nice. So I'm gonna give it a smell. Hmm. So, so from the smell, it's it's not um, nothing overpowering, but I do get a like a slight, um, almost like a salted caramel kind of. Uh, scent to it um, I get a lot of that malt sweetness coming off the bat so I'm really excited to try this beer and I think it's going to be really good uh, if we get into the the stats here uh, so 5% flat on the website says wow they really got to line up here because on the can it says 4.8% but on the website it's 5% so they they need to to get that figured out um, we're looking at 15 IBUs uh, on the website, the SRM, the color is 12. Um, on the can, it says 8. 
So interesting. I think it's pretty. I think it's more of a 12 than an 8, if I'm being honest. So I think the website is maybe the go-to here when uh, breaking down the stats. But uh, let's give it a taste. Mm. Wow. All right. So first off, what I'll say, uh, very creamy, uh, very malt forward. Um, and I like that. Uh, in a red ale, this is, from, in my opinion, this is exactly what I'm looking for um, in a red ale. I'm getting those tones uh, of that caramel, and they really highlight the caramel in their descriptions of this beer. So I can get that. It's sweet, but it's robust. Um, the malt, it's very malty. Uh, so it's a nice mouthfeel. It's kind of thick and, and fills up your mouth. Um, I, wow, I really like this beer. Uh, this beer... Uh, according to their stats, won uh, National Capital Homebrew uh, Competition. Uh, silver, so I guess it didn't win, but whatever. Second place, Canadian Red Ale. If this is the same recipe, I would imagine it is. Uh, but they have stouts on there and stuff, and they don't have that in their lineup. So maybe it's a different recipe, but uh, if it's the same recipe, I get why it came in second. This is a great beer. Give it another sip. Mmm. Mmm. Wow. You know what? I, I honestly just absolutely love it. Um, I thought the chicken man pale ale was going to be my favorite after having the cream lager. Um, but wow, this is, this is very nice. Like again, I don't know if this is a necessarily a summer beer for me, uh, maybe more of, um, like a fall time winter beer, but it's nice. It's, it's, it's not overbearingly sweet. Uh, I do get kind of like molasses type, uh, taste to it. Um, but from the color to uh, the, the taste, uh, I'm really blown away here. I'm going to give it one last taste here. Mm. I Honestly, I just, I love it. I And they say, it says on the can here, hint of caramel, dangerously drinkable. And I can get that. Like usually a red ale, maybe a little bit more of a sessionable type uh, beer because if it's overpowered with uh, with malts and and adjuncts, then sometimes there's a lot of like off-putting things that's enjoyable for one or two uh, pints, but not really, uh, you know, all night session. But I could drink, phew, I could drink a bunch of these. I really like this, and hats off. So right now, it's looking like this is going to be the the competitor for the number one between this and the pale ale. So let's uh, let's dive into the next one. So now we're getting into the. Um, the flagship beer, and then we have that New England IPA, the one that's not on their website, um, afterwards to finish it all off. So this is the Beardmore Kolsch-style ale. It's poured, um, looks lovely. Let's get into the, the description behind it. So like I said, this is the, the flagship beer. Um, what is in the name? Beardmore Kolsch style ale. So Beardmore. George Beardmore had a huge vision for a small tannery. Uh, he purchased in Acton, Ontario in 1856. Uh, by 1899, the tannery had grown to an impressive 1 million square feet. Wow, congrats, George. Uh, the iconic Beardmore & Co. water tower stood high above the many buildings that covered the 160-acre site. At its peak, it was the largest tannery in the entire British Empire. Wow, holy shit. Um, we're sure many workers at the tannery enjoyed a cool, refreshing ale after a long work day. We hope you enjoy ours too. So supposedly they had 
ales. This is a cool style ale, so obviously it's expected to be pretty light and uh, and flavorful here. The stats, we got uh, 4.5%. So this is, I believe, the lightest of what we've tried uh, so far. And um, only 8 IBUs. So to put this in perspective, 8 IBUs. That's, that is absolutely like. I don't know, bare minimum. Like it's 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 pretty. It's to put it in perspective, I guess um, the the Budweisers and, and beers like that are usually around like seven, seven, eight, six, even sometimes. Um, so in that sense, that's what we're looking at. Which is uh, if it ends up being pretty good. Uh, and newsflash, I've kind of I've already tried it, so I I know that it's actually pretty good. This would be a pretty good candidate for the craft beer talk show introduction to craft beer choice of the year. Um, from what I can see, it's extremely pale. It's it's uh, not hazy at all. Super clear, actually. Wow, like you put your fingers on the other end of the glass, like you can see them perfectly clear. Um, decent head on it. Um, very very light uh in color i think what it's at four srm so that's extremely low so uh, i'm gonna give it a smell here so from the smell fairly odorless um maybe a little bit of sweet fruit uh, but but nothing too crazy, nothing too special. Like we're not getting a lot of hops in here. It's only eight IBUs, so clearly there there's not a lot of addition here. Um, but a little subtle hint of of fruit on the nose. So let's give it a taste. Hmm, interesting, very interesting actually. Um, it's it's sweet, but uh, very light, mild carbonation. It's when I was looking at this, I was expecting high carbonation to be crisp, but it's actually fairly smooth, um, very light. You do get those subtle hints of fruit uh, kind of near the end once it hits the back of your mouth. But when you take your first sip, it's easy going right down the hatch. But then you do get these these nice flavors. Uh, it's actually a beautiful beer uh, in, my, in my opinion. Um, it's not overbearing with complexity, but there's enough there to give it something that's more than just like, for example, when I, when I compared it in a sense to like Budweiser in terms of the IBUs and that's kind of stuff, this compared to Budweiser or Bud Light packs way more flavor, like, like a crop of more flavor. I wish Bud Light or Budweiser tasted like this, but these are the things that those, those mass companies, um, those big names can't really you know, function because if you put something like this into your beer, you you run into the to the uh, the problem where maybe less people will like it, and obviously the the big names can't uh, can't jeopardize that. But a small brewery knows what they're doing, definitely knows how to take advantage of this, and that's uh, that's awesome. I'll be promoting this like crazy. Like this is the flagship beer, so I I see what they're they're doing in a sense. Um, now. When Rod brought these beers to me, or when I first talked to him on the phone, uh, something he mentioned to me was uh, about this beard more uh, cool style ale. And he told me, you know, it, it's super drinkable. And 
you could drink it after hockey. You could drink it, you know, on the course, the golf course. You could drink it after baseball. Um, it's a crowd pleaser, and I can see why. And I can see why he would say something like that because it truly is. Uh, it has, one, the flavor. It has, two, that light, crisp taste uh, that a lot of people are looking for. That's kind of the mainstream thing to do. Uh, so, yeah, totally smashable. Um, I would definitely recommend these to somebody who was interested in getting the craft beer, but they didn't want, like, for example, if I gave someone the Chicken Man Pale Ale, they'd be like, oh, well, this is everything I kind of don't like. Uh, but if I gave someone this, they'd be like, oh, I didn't know craft beer, uh, craft breweries brewed beer like this. Well, yeah, of course they do, you know? So, uh, I'm going to give it one more sip here. I mean, I've already talked a lot. Uh, I talked it up, uh, basically to be the winner of them all, but, uh, I'm going to give it one more sip. Hmm. It's, it's lovely. I mean, I don't know what else kind of to say about it, but, uh, it's a, it's a lovely beer. I like how it has those fruity aspects. Um, I like how it, it's different than your normal um, Kolsch-style ale. I think that it has that those enough complexity to make it something worth trying and not like the others. It stands out. So I, I could see this beer uh, going a long way in terms of people shopping in the LCBO. Um, and that was another thing he mentioned to me was it isn't in all the LCBOs. Um, for American listeners, that's the liquor store here in Ontario. I mean, even for Canadian listeners, you might you don't have that in uh, in your provinces. But uh, if you're in Ontario, ask for this in your stores and try to get this distributed because it's excellent. Uh, I love every sip. Uh, I, I totally see how you can just you know boom one after the other. Um, hands down, this is this is good. I can see why it's their flagship. If I'm being honest, it's out of all the ones I've tried. It's not my favorite, but that's just because, you know, I have a little bit more of a, a complex need to fill. Uh, you know, for me right now, the, the Chicken Man Pale Ale still stands out as the uh, the best beer that they have. Um, but for the general public or for people who aren't into craft beers, I could see why this is, is the mainstream uh, beer. So let's move on. So this is the last one. So this is the, the New England IPA. It's called Fountain Green. Uh, so this is the one that's not on their website. So that that's be exciting. Uh, I'm going to give it a pour and then we are going to taste it. All right. So it is poured. Uh, and just like the others, it looks outstanding. Um, in terms of color, it almost has this green color to it I guess I don't know this this one actually is a tough one for me uh, in terms of depicting to you what the color is but it almost looks like a a really light green mixed with an orange uh, thick head um, beautiful oh man I'm really I'm really getting lost here I was supposed to describe to you exactly what this uh, what they said on the website about this beer oh right it doesn't say anything about it on the website so Again, a double mess up here. Wow, I've really lost it. But this is the Fountain Green New England IPA. Um, on the side of the can, there is lots of information. So I'll read that to you. Um, it says, This New England-style IPA has an intense tropical fruit flavor and aroma from a massive dose of mosaic and Australian galaxy. 
Mm, okay, great. Can't wait to smell it. Uh, heavy dry hopping further adds to the flavor intensity while keeping it less bitter than a typical IPA. Interesting. Okay. Smooth, hazy, and juicy. Found green will satisfy all your hop-loving desires. And then there's another little tidbit here saying, nestled in the rocky hills of the Niagara Escarpment uh, along the Black Creek, not sure where that is, lies a tiny settlement once called Fountain Green. Huh, I didn't know that. Uh, known for its rich lime industry, the village was renamed Limehouse in the mid-1800s. Today, the natural landscape in and around the area are spectacular, a hidden paradise. Our New England IPA is a fitting tribute with its citrus hop and a taste referred to by many as paradise hidden in a can. Interesting. Very interesting. So again, another little tidbit of history there. I didn't know that. Uh, the can itself is is painted beautifully. Um, I don't know who does these cans, but they should be fairly proud of themselves because I actually really like this one. I, I'm a big uh, art guy. I love paintings. Um, so if you like paintings, let me know. Get at me in the uh, in the DMs on Instagram. But uh, this is this is beautifully uh, illustrated here on this can. Uh, I like it a lot. So let's let's just dive into the beer, uh, the stats here. Uh, only 15 IBUs. Only 15 for a New England IPA. Only 15 IBUs. To me, that's crazy. Uh, I would expect it to be a lot hoppier than that. Um, they said that they did a massive dose of Mosaic in Australian Galaxy. Um, I would expect it to be a lot higher uh, in terms of IBUs. So that that's going to be interesting. And I've noticed that. So the highest their IBUs are is the Chicken Pale Ale, which was uh, 30 or 35, whichever one's correct, the website or the can. But um, so 15, uh, the color, 8. It sounds about right, so nice, nice color. Um, and then in terms of percentage, 6.1. So they call it strong beer, 6.1. So it's a 6.1 strong beer with not a lot of hops. Um, I'm wow, this is this is interesting. I, I'm really excited to try it. So they claim massive dose of uh, mosaic and Australian galaxy, but then it's only a 15 IBU beer. Like there's pilsners with higher IBUs than that. My favorite pilsner has a higher IBU than that. So I don't know. Let's try it. That's that's all we can do is try it. In terms of smell, I, I can I can smell mosaic right off the bat. Um, it smells very juicy, uh, very hoppy. But uh, if it's only 15 IBUs, we got we got to taste it, right? So a lot of dry hopping, like they said. So they said on the can, uh, dry hopping for. Um, uh, flavor rather hold on what does it say here oh my god I lost it oh yeah here it is um, heavy dry hopping further adds to the flavor intensity to the flavor intensity but it's low IBUs because so to me dry hopping um, is is addition for aroma not for flavor flavor you need to boil down those hops during the boil so that that's that's an interesting wording for me and i don't know what kind of dry hopping they used uh that they thought that was going to add to the flavor like yes it does add to the flavor of course but 
you have to remember you're dry hopping after fermentation. So it's not going to sit for a whole long time unless you're conditioning for a whole lot of time. But the boil is when you're going to add that flavor. The boil is what extracts those oils from all these plants and ingredients and and puts it into this this liquid. Um, so I don't know. Let's just try it. That's all we can do is try it. Mm. All right. Well, so now that I've tried it, after all of the talking that I just did about it, Beautiful beer, very juicy. Uh, I get a lot of hops up front, very fruity. Um, I can see that right away. But uh, interesting how it's only 15 IBUs. I mean, like to me, this 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 tastes hoppier than only 15 IBUs. So, like at least 25, I'd say 30, maybe. Um, I don't necessarily believe that it's all, it's 15, oh my God, that it's 15 IBUs. But nonetheless, uh, it's a great beer. Uh, it packs a lot of, yeah, citrus and tropical flavor. Uh, I can't admit to that. Um, the color with the head. Overall, this is this is a pretty standard New England high BA, nice and hazy. Um I enjoy this very much. Now, the only problem is I, I have, I'm having a hard time with the stats, right? And then thinking about what I'm going to say about it. Uh, in terms of tasting, and I think it's hoppier. Uh, I think it has a nice hop to it, though. Um, the flavors, punch-in-your-face type flavors, uh, I think this would be a real hit amongst beer snobs um, at a brew pub. Uh, I do think they would genuinely like it. Uh, but then again, if this is the stats they're putting out, they may not pick it. Uh, so uh, I do like it. The aroma's there. The smell's there. It's a good overall New England IPA. And I think that's kind of like the the overall essence of this entire Furnace Room Brewery um, trend is, is that they are good and true to the beers that they're brewing. They don't do anything too crazy, or they don't go out of the straight line. They don't get zigzaggy on you. They are pretty straightforward and easy drinking, and I think that's that's kind of what a lot of people uh, are looking for, and that's why a lot of people choose those those big name uh, brands because that's what they offer. Whereas this is a craft brewery, a small local business who's doing this and providing this for you. So I think it's so important to go and support them. Not only do you have in the Beardmore Kolsch, the Red Ale, um, and the Cream Lager, three easy drinking beers that you could crush easily on a summer day, Christmas, holidays, whatever, if you're just a simple taste kind of person. Um, but then you also have the Chicken Man Pale Ale, and if they start offering this Fountain Green New England IPA, they have the, those hop lovers. I mean, on the can, it even says to, to satisfy all your hop-loving desires. So I think Furnace Room Brewery as a whole is doing a hell of a job. And uh, I really appreciate it uh, because this is kind of everything up until this point that I've advocated um, for the craft industry. You know, that there's tons of beers out there that you can get 
to to sway you from these these mass um, produced companies that are just as good. I mean, from your from your taste perspective, right? Um, so hats off to Furnace Room Brewery. I guess it's time now to get into the scores. Um, I've got them all written down here as I was going, so I wouldn't forget. So starting off with the first beer we did, which was the Chicken Man Pale Ale, um, the score I'm going to give it uh, is an 8.1. So I yeah, I scored it pretty high. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a lot of flavor. I thought it was easy drinking. Um, everything I kind of look for in a, in a pale ale was Chicken Man Pale Ale. So for me, uh, this was an absolute knockout, and I'm glad it was the first beer I tried. Uh, I might have even boosted other scores. Who knows? But uh, so 8.1 for the Chicken Man Pale Ale. Then we moved on to the Dynamo Cream Lager, uh, and the Dynamo Cream Lager I gave a 6.9. So we kind of you know dropped down from the the pale ale. But that's only because I found it almost maybe too simplistic, uh, too straightforward, didn't really have all that much going on. But it is an easy going, uh, drinking, easily drinking, oh, Christ, easy crushable drinking beer. I can't even talk right now, guys. I'm sorry. The five beers have gone to me, five tall boys. Um, so 6.9 for the Dynamo Cream Lager. Then from that, we went into the Right House Red Ale. And if you remember the Right House Red Ale, I loved uh, I thought it was really good. I also gave that an 8.1. I thought it was a really good red ale. And I think it's uh, actually a fun fact for you. When Rod was here, Rod Monkman, uh, dropping off the beers, he told me that he thought the Right House Red Ale was much better than the the Rickards Red, which is what's usually found in, in a pub. And um, I have to agree with him. I think that it's uh, an amazing beer. 8.1, that's a great score. Uh, I, I thought it, it hit all of the, the check marks for me in a red ale. And uh, I can't wait to give that one to my dad because, like I said, he loves red ale. And I think he's really going to love uh, love that beer. So that was the last of the, the three that we went. Then we went to the mainstream ones. Or not the, the flagship beer, I should say. Um, so then we went to the Beardmore Kolsch. So the Beardmore Kolsch, I'm going to give uh, 7.9. Uh, on that, I think it's a, a really good uh, crushable beer for the summer, um, and uh, I recommend everybody get it uh, because this easily could beat out your Bud Light, your Coors Light, your Miller Light, whatever it may be. This is the beer you should get for the summer. Um, I mean, there's there's other more that you should try, but if you're gonna try any of the ones I suggest. Get this one as well. Uh, super drinkable, smooth, uh, fruity. Uh, it's 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 long lasting for the night. Like you're not gonna get sick and tired of uh, over hop or anything like that. So six point, uh, sorry, seven point nine uh, for the beer more Kolsch. and then that lastly brings us to the Fountain Green New England IPA, which I'm going to give a seven point six on um i think it's a really good beer i think it's overall you know uh, astound 
maybe the statistics have thrown me off a little bit, but I do think in a New England IPA, I have had juicier beers, um, more flavorful beers that uh, have wanting have got me wanting more. Essentially, uh, the Fountain Green is great, and um, I recommend you also try this as well. But a seven point six for that. Uh, in terms of the whole brewery, I love what what you guys are doing. Uh, I love everything. Uh, about it i love the history component um i love how you can get a beer and learn something uh as well and uh to me that that's that's kind of like the bee's knees i mean it doesn't get better for me than that um so check them out uh furnace room brewery georgetown ontario um if you're not from the area make the trip uh i'm gonna make the trip they sent me all these beers to try. I'm so appreciative of them. Uh, I have to make the trip and, and check them out. Um, but uh, even if you're if you're out of country and you're from the States and you're visiting Toronto, drive up there. Check it out. Uh, obviously, I don't expect anyone to hop on a, a flight and go. But you know what? Why not? Go check them out. Um, Furnace Room Brewery. Last time I'll say it. But uh, this has been episode eight. Um, I've, I've dived into a lot of beers here. Uh, feeling it a little bit, probably going to continue my, uh, my send and, uh, crush a few more after, after the, the recording as a, uh, little reward. But, uh, other than that, we'll see you guys next time on the craft beer talk show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. Cheers.